I'm Chris Reback. This is Call In. With Dr. Alexandria White, we discuss business leadership in our time of social change, when to call in, when to call out, and how to build sustainable business value today. Before our conversation, though, an ask from us to you. We hope you like these call-in conversations, and if so, we'd appreciate if you'd take a moment, go to wherever you listen to podcasts, and if you're so moved, leave a five-star review. The ratings really matter. They go a long way to helping other people find the podcast. Our show is brought to you by Clayton Dubalier and Rice, which is committed to a more diverse and inclusive future. Let's call in. Nate, it was great seeing you at the Campbell Trophy Summit at Stanford University. Let's get right into the conversation about amplification. Yeah, great to see you again. And and real quick, I want to mention my wife and I were literally like on the way to the airport at that moment. So I'm happy we got to run into each other right before we left. Let's get right into it. Doing your research on amplification, it was known that it's a technique that was used during the Obama administration. What is amplification and how should leaders think about it? Yeah, this idea of amplification is something that uh, I've spent a lot of years thinking about now. You mentioned the female Obama staffers, and they felt like they didn't have the status and influence that they deserved. And so they started amplifying one another. You know, you say something, and I feel like it wasn't acknowledged. And I say, hey, remember when Alexandria said that really nice thing about XYZ? We should consider it. And so we wanted to empirically test this. The female Obama staffers felt like it helped but we wanted to put it to the empirical test. And so we defined amplification as drawing attention to somebody who has tried to contribute positively to the team or the organization or the meeting, and then also making sure that you give that person credit. You could imagine somebody amplifying an idea, but then kind of like stealing the credit for that idea. So important in this notion of amplification is that we make sure we draw attention to the person and acknowledge that specific person for raising the point that we're amplifying. And Nate, how did you become aware of it? Maybe go through, if you would, some of your training. I know you studied law at Stanford, which as a Cal Berkeley grad says to me, I guess you just couldn't get <laughs> yeah, into Cal, but that's yeah, fine. Exactly. A lot of not, not good enough for Cal, right? I mean, a lot of really smart people have gone to Stanford also, <laughs> Nate. But tell me about your background and how did you kind of become aware of amplification as a tactic? Was it something that was kind of innate to you or was it you know part of research that you were doing and you saw the importance of it? Yeah, a little bit of a long story, but I'll I'll give you the kind of the shortened version. In law school, I realized that I wanted to spend the rest of my life in school. I loved law school so much, I figured if I could just replicate this experience forever, that's the kind of career I want. So then I have to decide, well, how am I going to do this? Well, if I get a PhD, that's five more years guaranteed to school. So I can do that. And uh, I was talking to a guy. I was saying, you know, I'm kind of bummed. I'm not going to be an attorney, not make as much money. He was a practicing attorney. He said, yeah, but you just banked five years of happiness by getting your PhD. So anyway, I decided to do my PhD in organizational behavior, which is essentially social psychology. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what do I like most? And I really like learning about people and why they think the things they think and do the things they do. So I ended up doing my PhD in organizational behavior, and I'd started working on a project. One of the first projects I was working on is we were looking at the effects of the first follower. So there was this video that went viral about 10 years ago, and it was this man who starts dancing at like a park by himself, and then somebody else comes up and starts dancing with him. And then before you know it, there's like, you know, 50 or 100 people dancing. And we said, you know, it was important that that first person started dancing, but we were really interested in this dynamic of the first follower. You're not really a leader until somebody is willing to follow you. And so we started looking at this first follower idea. So I started collecting some data on that. And then some colleagues who I knew at the University of Utah, Liz Tenney and Tamar Kreps, 
they called me up one day and were like, hey, we're looking at this project on amplification and it's kind of similar to this project that you're working on, this first follower. Would you be interested in joining us? And I said, oh yeah, absolutely. It sounds real interesting. So they started talking to me about the female Obama staffer case. And from there, it was just trying to figure out how we could test this and the experiments we could run and companies that we could potentially use this technique as a training for. And so, yeah, it all kind of started from this interest in social psychology, how people make decisions, and then this kind of first follower project that I'd started working on. Amazing story. Amazing story. Speaking of companies, Nate, Diane and I with Reboot Excel, we work with a lot of companies, clients who want to build inclusive teams. So how do you think inclusive management practices tie to your research on amplification? One of the things that even just doing the research on this project helped me do a better job of was acknowledging people's contributions. So I grew up in an athletics background. So often in sports, the mantra on many of these teams I was on was like, you know, it's amazing how much you can accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. And while that does a nice job of creating this kind of we mentality for the team, that's not always the right approach in all circumstances, because if we do that enough, we might be just totally neglecting the input of others. Somebody has a great idea and, and maybe we commandeer that idea as ours. And there were so many funny things that happened as we were working on this project. And one of them that was so funny about this idea of amplification is Chris says something and then Alexandria says something. And then I amplify Chris. I say, Chris had a great idea and we should consider it. Right. And we would do this with each other in our team meetings. But it was so subtle that it happens almost like at a subconscious level where it feels good for Chris to be amplified. Alexandra, you like me when I amplify. That's kind of what the research shows. But it's this very subtle thing that we would do it jokingly to each other and then have to remind each other that we had just amplified because it was so subtle. That was something that, you know, related to this idea of giving people credit for their ideas in meetings. I hadn't realized until I started working on this project how much I would amplify, but not do that extra step of just like giving Chris the credit. Again, I don't know if it was because of my sports background or whatever, but just taking that extra step, building on past ideas, but just trying to remember, you know, like, hey, Chris had that great idea. Let's give Chris credit for that. It was just one of those subtle things that I learned. I still mess up on it. And this was kind of funny, too. I was at the University of Notre Dame. Anytime you get a publication, the PR machine of the university loves to promote the research, as you know. <laughs> This publication on amplification came out and Notre Dame wrote up this PR piece that goes out to all the news outlets talking about how I did this research on amplification. And, you know, I'm excited. You know, I think the research is really cool. And, and then my colleagues were like, hey, that's great. You know, did you notice that Notre Dame only talked about you and they didn't even mention your colleagues? And I was just like, oh, my gosh, it was just a complete oversight on my part. You know, I didn't write the article. But I should have on an article on amplification, I signed off on it and I didn't make sure that it talked about my other colleagues who had the idea in the first place. I just, you know, it's so easy for me to like take the credit and move on. It can be a very subtle thing, but it can be very meaningful and helpful to the people that you do amplify. But it's something that I consciously work on. And I think most of us can do a much better job with. There's so many things I want to unpack. Chris is a male. I'm a female. Let's talk about those differences in amplification and who you decide to amplify. According to Leon McCabe, 2021, these researchers, academics, they found that men are 1.6 times more likely to speak in class than women. You and I are professors, Nate. What are you doing in your class to make sure that everyone speaks in your class? 
How do you make sure all your students are hurt? Yeah, really good question. And as a professor, you're always trying to like monitor the two or three people that speak too much and you try to give other people opportunities. I do a lot of cold calling. And I think part of this stems from my background in law school. Some classes are like, whoever wants to speak, speak. In law school, professors in many of the classes, they keep track of who they have called on and who they don't. That's something I try to implement to make sure that everybody gets a chance to speak. One thing I'll say that this is a little bit of a tangent, but I thought it was really interesting from the research, something that we didn't expect to find. This is kind of where I thought you were going, but I'm glad you asked the question you did, but I'm going to kind of riff on that a little bit. We wondered with amplification if there were gender dynamics. Like, you know, what if a man amplifies a woman? What if a man amplifies a man? What if a woman amplifies a woman? What if a woman amplifies a man? Like, might there be some sort of interactions, different effect sizes? And what we did in the research is we designed an experiment where we attributed one of my colleagues, uh, I think it was Liz that came up with, there was a, a study done that showed that venture capitalists talked about women differently than men. So they ascribed kind of different status characteristics to the men versus the women. Mm -hmm. And so we pulled a number of these sayings out where the man was like intelligent and capable and the woman was nice. Then we created a scenario, a vignette that people would read, and we assigned the men these higher kind of status characteristics. And then we had participants rate who's higher in status, the man that's really smart and capable and talented or the woman who's nice and kind. And and we found that participants on average rated the men higher in status. And then in the experiment, we had every possible combination amplify the other because we wanted to see these effects. What happens if a high status male amplifies a lower status female? Now, again, we had artificially manipulated the woman to be lower status and we had manipulated the man to be higher status. There was lots of interesting questions like, does a man, high status man amplifying a high status man, does it help? And who does it help more? And what if a low status woman amplifies a low status woman? Or what if a low status woman amplifies a high status man? What was interesting is basically it all helps. Amplification appears to be based on our data to be something that people really like. And along those lines, the very first time we wanted to test amplification, we had a group of graduate students get together in a room and model amplification. So they were literally just reading a script, acting out amplification. And the person that we had assigned to be the amplifier, I would bet if we had polled, you know, 100 people, ranked the status of these people, the person who we had assigned to be the amplifier, I bet would have been ranked lower status. This person was very shy, very quiet, did not like to talk, was not very assertive. Okay, so just objectively, I think most people would probably have rated this person lower in status. When this person started amplifying, they immediately took on a leadership role that was shocking to all of us. And they're not even coming up with any new ideas. Where did they come from? Yeah. But all they're saying, all they're doing is just saying, hey, Chris, that's a good idea. Alexander, that's a great idea. You know, Mm -hmm. oh, I really like that. We should consider it. This turned us on to the idea that amplification, the goal when we started this project was to help the people who aren't being listened to. But we also learned really quickly that the amplifier themselves benefits a lot. And that was something that really became a focal point of the paper is, is I can help the voicer. I can help the person who's not being listened to by amplifying them. But when I amplify, I also amplify myself. 
or it helps myself. It improves my status. And it's a really risk-free way to have influence in a meeting, shape the meeting, drive the meeting where you want to go potentially by choosing who you amplify and also give yourself a boost because we have limited opportunities to speak in meetings. And, you know, do I really want to use that time to shine the light on somebody else? Or do I want to use that time to like maybe self-amplify myself? And, And what we found is one really effective strategy is shine a light on somebody else that can help them, but it can also help you. This is just wonderful to hear. So there you go. Yeah, it makes right. me feel good. See, and and it, you look good yeah. doing it. I was going to say, and it makes me think higher of Alex for her making that comment. So exactly. once again, this is empirical research. You can put this data into your next report, Nate. Given that research, given the conclusions, given the analysis and what you've learned, What guidance do you give business leaders? What tactics do you give them to translate your research findings into improving their business environment? In academia, there's kind of this interesting dynamic where you mostly kind of do stuff for other academics. Like most of the papers we're writing, we're writing for other academics. And if I were to start going around and consulting and telling everybody, you know, here's our research and here's what you need to do, sometimes that can be viewed as like you're trying to cash in on your research rather than just promoting the good of science. Now, that said, I really like this research and I think it can help. So when I do have a chance to talk about it with other academics and then companies, I jump at the chance because I think it's a valuable strategy and technique. For example, we went into a company as part of this experiment. We identified a number of people in the organization that the leaders felt like didn't have the status and influence that they deserved. And we trained them on amplification, a 30-minute training. It included the definition of amplification, described the technique, and then we showed video clips of amplification. Then at the end, we trained that specific group of people. And then I think it was like a, was it a six week or an eight week period? They were told to amplify one another. And then at the end of the eight weeks, everybody in the organization, and I should back up at time one, everybody kind of rated everybody in status and influence. We trained the lower influence people on amplification. And then at time two, everybody rated everybody again. And those people who had been trained to amplify and had been amplifying improved their status and influence. And it was a simple intervention that we did where it was just basically showing them amplification and showing videos. And so the materials are public and I could send you the videos that we used. And there's a Qualtrics survey that people can take that just shows them how to amplify. It's a really simple concept, but like I said, can have some pretty meaningful impacts. Wonderful, Nate. Yes, we're actually going to add the article, Amplifying Your Colleagues' Voices Benefits Everyone. We're going to put that in the show notes and it's time for us to close. It has been a wonderful conversation. Thanks for spending time with Chris and me. Is there anything else you'd like listeners to know about amplification or current projects that you're working on? Thank you for having me on. You know, I spend so much time on these projects and this was at a six or seven year project. I would just encourage people to look for ways to amplify. It's so simple to do. It's not stressful. Alex, you say something and you contribute. And it's just so easy for me to say, hey, I like that. It's so easy to do. It makes people feel good. And especially when people aren't being listened to and don't have the status and influence that they should have, it's a simple thing that we can do to try to help those people have more status and influence. So I would just say, look for opportunities to do it and then catch yourself when you mess up like I did with that paper. And you know, I didn't even acknowledge my colleagues. Make sure that you look for opportunities to acknowledge others. Thank you. Thank you, Nate. Thank you.